Uh, some indeed preach Christ, verse 15, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely uh, supposing to add affliction to my change. Um, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice and, yes, will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the, supplication of the, and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For if I live on in the flesh, uh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I, I cannot tell. You know, as we, we think about this today, um, we invite the Holy Spirit to just place his hand on our ears and our minds, on our hearts, and Lord, uh, on my mouth today, that as I speak and, and you speak through this word, Lord God, that everyone will have a powerful connection with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Apostle Paul, he, he's writing this letter to his close friends, uh, his Christian friends in Philippi, and he had been in house arrest. Have you ever been in house arrest? When I was a kid, I was grounded uh, several times. Uh, from his house arrest, he described uh, at the, uh, uh, he, he spoke this and conveyed this letter to uh, the, the church. And so when we think about this, you know, um, Paul would have been otherwise set out, taken out of the, 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 the way and placed in arrest and confined and restricted to a certain place. And, uh, you know, he's speaking to a church that he founded 11 years prior to writing this letter. And uh, he's speaking to them as one who is incarcerated, detained for his ministry and his faith. And in his absence, there are those who are exploiting the gospel for personal ambition and personal gain. And, um, you know, as we look at that, we understand that, you know, Paul, he puts that into perspective. There are always going to be those who either preach a false gospel, a true gospel, and there are going to be those who preach a true gospel who are not living it. it. Happens. It happens. Absolutely. And so the word of God, God, uh, God honors his word, not necessarily the individuals who bring the word. Because he works through them in spite of the fact that there were those who preached the word from selfish ambition. They did so for personal gain. And, you know, God will separate all of that out at some point. God knows it all anyhow. And, and there will be an accounting for us all as how we live for Christ and how we minister. You know, so, but as we look at this scripture, you know, Paul conveys that he is not going to allow their ambitions and their agendas to cloud his, uh, the view of the importance of preaching this gospel. He really... Uh, I'm sure wasn't happy that there were those who were doing so with, with personal gain in mind uh, and personal and selfish ambition, but he was happy that the gospel was being preached nonetheless. 
You know, he didn't spend his time attacking those who were profiting off of the gospel. Sometimes it's easy to focus on the, 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 the misdeeds of others rather than retaining our focus on the mission. You know, Paul's imprisoned, and certainly there were those who were trying to uh, discredit him, those who wanted to become the authority that Paul had borne in his ministry while he was free. And Paul didn't seem to be all that worried about who got the glory or, or who, uh, who uh, you know, all of these other things. Now, that doesn't mean that it wasn't important that these people, God, there's going to be a judgment day for Christians, You don't hear a whole lot about that, right? Because we know there's the great white throne judgment, and I believe that's a judgment of all the unsaved who don't know Christ, who have never come to the saving knowledge of Christ, and the books will be opened. And, you know, I believe just looking at that, really, and it says uh, tells us that the Lamb's book of life will be opened, and that's the one you want to make sure you're in, right? Because if you're not in that list, you're not in, right? Nobody's going to be in heaven wondering, how did I, why am I here? I mean, unless you're born again, you're not going to heaven. That's just the cold, hard fact. And I don't say, if I'm not born again, I'm not making it in, right? That's what Jesus said, except you be born again. You can't enter into the kingdom of God. So if you're in heaven, you won't have to wonder why you're there. You will know that it's because you've been, become, you've been born again. So as we look at this, um, there's a lot of things going on today. A lot of things going on in this world that really, it's not really to become our focus. You know, I mentioned this morning the battles that's waged in our schools, and that is real. That is intense. I mean, we're, we're talking about, and I don't want to get too, you know, off, but uh, I mean, uh, in what I say, but you, you're teaching kids things, seeking to uh, teach them things that are very foundational level that are inappropriate. You know, and I think they're, they're, you know, I understand the outrage that we feel in response to that. But man, what, it, what we must not lose sight of, it's time to step up our game. It's time for the church to step up. I mean, how many of you could, would, would acknowledge that there's room for us to step up in our personal walk with God? I mean, I can grow a little more. I can become a little more in Christ. I mean, he can use me uh, in ways that I have not yet yielded to him to do so. But it's going to have to. We're all going to be drawn. We're all going to have to take an active part in this and to retain a focus. You know, Paul didn't allow these people who were profiting off of the gospel, who were serving their self agendas to become his focus. All he said with reference to it is, hey, you know what? I'm happy that the gospel is being preached regardless of their motives. You say, well, you know, shouldn't he have rebuked and taken? Well, there's a rebuke coming. There is, a, you know, when we live apart from God, God knows all of this stuff, right? How many know God knows the score? And sometimes we have to speak things and confront things that, that are necessary. But in this case, we look at the scriptures and we see Paul, he's under arrest. His, some of his competitors, as they saw it, and too often church becomes a competition, you know, who's winning and who's losing, you know, and, and, you know, I want to tell you, we're not here to compete with anyone else, but we are to serve together in Christ, right? That, isn't that the goal? 
We say, well, they're growing because they're doing this or they're doing that. You know, there's a difference. Paul speaks in this case about he was happy that they were preaching the gospel regardless of what their motives were. He didn't say their motives were okay, that they they were immune to judgment because they will be. And in Galatians 1.8, he says that if someone were to preach another gospel, let him be accursed. So you try to reconcile what he's saying here with what he said there. Well, in this case, they're, they're preaching the gospel even if they're not living it. In the other case, they are perverting the gospel. And, you know, I want to tell you, there's some of both of that going on anymore. A lot of it. You know, you and I have to be committed to the true gospel. Not a gospel, not a form of the gospel, not the reinvention of the gospel, but we have to be committed to the word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth out from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. So this morning as you, you've come into the church, you understand Paul didn't become critical and cynical so much so to believe that every other preacher had bad motives. He knew that some preached from goodwill. There were those who were dedicated and committed to preaching the gospel, and his concern was that the gospel's going out. How many here, you want to see the gospel go out because you know that's the saving message? America needs the gospel. You know, how many of you truly believe the gospel? Not just good works, because there are a lot of people doing good works. A lot of uh, benevolent things that are happening around the world. But they need to know the, the, the source of why we do what we do. The author of what we do. Jesus has to be introduced in the, in the relationship and in the conversation somehow, right? He's not just a happen, happen uh, stance. He is the, he's the main course. You know, ambition isn't necessarily bad, but when it becomes selfish and self-centered and self-exalting, that it is. You know, I wanted to read you something here. A.W. Tozier has said it's a quote from A.W. Tozier. He says, Dear Lord, I refuse henceforth to compete with any of thy servants. They have congregations larger than mine, so be it. I rejoice in their success. They have their greater gifts very well. That is not in their power. That is not in uh, um, their power nor in mine. I am humbly grateful for their greater gifts and my smaller ones. I only pray that I may use to Thy glory such modest gifts as I possess. I will not compare myself. Uh, with any, nor try to build up my self-esteem by noting where I may excel one uh, or another in thy holy work. I herewith make a blanket disavowal of, of, of all intrinsic worth. I am but an unprofitable servant. I gladly go to the foot of the cross and own myself the least of these people. If I err in my self-judgment and actually underestimate... Myself, I do not want to know it. I purpose to pray for others and to rejoice in their prosperity as it were my own. And indeed, if my own, uh, and indeed it is my own, if it is thy own, thine own. For what is thine is mine, and while one plants and another waters, it is thou alone that gives the increase. 
What a wonderful word. We're not in a competition. Paul knew that he wasn't competing with those who sought to excel beyond him and those who did so for false, um, with false motives. His response to it was, I'm glad the gospel's being preached. You know, that's really where the real focus needs to be in our lives is not so much what everyone else is doing or someone else is doing, but what, 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 the, what is uh, the message that God has given us to share with the world that we live in today. You know, this is not a silent gospel, right? It's not to be muted. It's not to be turned down. It is to be amplified in our lives first and then in our words to follow. Because if we live it, uh, then people will be more receptive to what we have to say at that moment. You know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's daughter said that it was her father's ambition to, uh, to be the corpse at every funeral, the bride at every wedding, and the baby at every uh, dedication. You know, that's, that, that's the ambition, you know. Uh, I, I want to be seen. I have to be heard. It's about me. And, and Paul realized that there were those self-promoters out there, but he wasn't threatened by it. We've got to stay true to our calling. We've got to stay true to... How many of you have a calling on your life? Stay true to that calling. It doesn't matter what others are doing. It doesn't matter whether they're doing it well or doing it poorly. It doesn't... You know, there's no gain when we, we, we lose sight of what God has called us to do. We've got to get this word out. One way or another, the, the life and the remedy... The elixir of souls has to get out. It has to be distributed among those who have no hope apart from Christ. And I'm just saying this because I think we all realize it. Uh, we need to buckle up. We're in for a ride. We've not been called to a picnic. This is a spiritual battle that we are involved in. How many know if it weren't a battle, Paul probably wouldn't have gone through talk, uh, the, uh, the portion of Scripture where he talks about the full armor of God. It would have no relevance to the life that we live, but it's certainly a, a very foundational point. You know, as we think about uh, this, sometimes, you know, we, we can take the, taking the challenges uh, the challenges of taking our exegesis or our, our formation of a message or study to sermon and then into life can be a, a real daunting thing. Putting into practice what we, we you know, we can craft sermons and, and studies, but then, then you've got to put it into practice. How many know that this message is to be both practical and powerful in our lives? It, there has to be evidence of its reality in the way we live. We cannot afford to focus on what others are doing at, to the expense of presenting this gospel. Right? You know, I've got to tell you, I, and I'm not going into it, but I've, dealt, I've had interactions with people in the past year that I've never would have probably had the interactions with. People very different. Very different. And they probably thought very different back. But I want to tell you, um, it's opened my eyes to the fact that there's a world out there that doesn't know Jesus. And, and you know, I'm responsible for that. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm res that, that's my mission field. That's your mission field. You're responsible for it too. 
How many know you're responsible for the mission field in your life? For those who don't know Christ in your life, you and I bear responsibility for. There's no way around that. You know, we're here created by God once and born twice in the Spirit of God and placed among people providentially to be a witness to them. And regardless of what others do, whether they do good or they do evil, we are to retain that focus. You know, how many have heard, well, I, I only reason I did this was because you did that. You know, that's not the, that's not the way we operate, Right? We're not just simply doing what we do. That's what I said when my brother and I got into trouble. I couldn't say it as much because I was the oldest. So it was usually him doing what I told him to do. And so I couldn't say, well, I only did it because you told me to, or I did it because of that. But, you know, we're not living our lives just simply because the world is doing this. We're living our lives the way we live because Jesus is Jesus. His word is powerful. His word is redemption and hope to a lost world. That's why I'm living my life in Christ, for me to live as Christ. Paul realized that the foundation for his life, whether he was in jail, regardless of what other people were doing in the name of the Lord or outside of Christ, his foundation was going to remain consistent. For to me to live is Christ. It doesn't matter what others are doing. It doesn't matter what the world does. I mean, it does matter, but as far as my, 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 where I'm at, it's still going to remain the same. I've already told Robin, and, and uh, you know, if, uh, if, uh, I would imagine I'll probably go before you because your family lives to be hundreds, and, uh, but uh, that's okay. I'll get things ready for you. Uh, but the um, only thing I want on our, our tombstone, other than Hopefully you'll, you'll be there with me. Not, 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 you know, I'm not wishing anything on you. I just like, uh, but all I want on it is to live as Christ, to die as gain. That's the only thing I care about. I don't need, oh, just a wonderful person, great father, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's all nice and good. But the bottom line is if I live this life and they know a lot more about me than they ever knew about Jesus... That's not the way it's supposed to be. And I'm not saying that you wait until you're dead to bear, hey, look, his witness is out there in the cemetery because you understand that that has to be the way we live now. For to me, to live is Christ. I remember years ago, and I'm not going to name because there was one man who had aspirations to, to be a, a superintendent of our, our movement. And, and then there was a, another, another gentleman, an evangelist, and they, they were in this fierce competition because they were in the same area. Both in the same region. And it was like there was this feuding competition going on back and forth between the two. Both of them, one was a powerful pastor. The other one is a a, a renowned evangelist. But somewhere along the line, they lost sight of what it was they were called to do. You understand? So the, the one man, the evangelist, he goes and he, he spies out because he had suspicions about the pastor, had him spied out, and he, he had him discredited. And, and uh, I don't know what you call it. And he, he, you know, he lost his, uh, his, his credentialing. 
And then you know what? This man was so angry and so fixed on the fact that he was going to expose this evangelist that he planned out and set his course to expose him, which he did. So both are discredited at that time. Both had, had forfeited their, 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 they really had, were derelict of their calling. They became fixated and focused on this or that, and, they, and, and it became a, an intense rivalry. And you know, who, you know who it hurts? It hurts the people who are looking at Christians and evaluating if that's really what I want my life to, to, to be. And you know, I think it's important to keep in mind that there will always, someone said to me one time, there will, you know, some may preach, may, may preach better, but he says there will never be a better gospel. Whether you're an exegete or you're just simply, simply an exhorter of God's Word, you know, God's Word will never return void. Stay focused on what God has given you to do and preach and teach and minister the Word. Well, I'm going to ask Tammy to come. That'll make somebody, hey, it's only five after. So our, our personal relationship with God through Christ is the foundation to our life statement. A life and ministry that is centered in Christ and all in for his glory, does not focus on discrediting others at the expense of the gospel. You know, that is, uh, you know that's important. We're not, we're not, we're not going to sell out the mission and the focus so that we can expose others. Remember, I said there's a judgment uh, for all believers, and I'm going to read that to you. I, I sincerely believe that we will appear before the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. And while we are saved in Christ, you know, there's an evaluation of what we've done. How many of you want to stay focused until the end? You want to live this life the way God purposed for you to live it till the end. You want to serve his calling in your life until the end. Don't get distracted. We get all these scandals that happen in the, in the church at times because of somebody's doing something. And you know what? Those things have to be addressed, but not, those things don't necessarily have to be addressed by me other than to pray. I'm talking about we see things in the news, hear things that go on. You know, the Southern Baptist Church Convention. Many pastors accused many of child abuse cover-ups at different levels to prevent this from going out and I, I was listening Robin was there listening to this and if that's true we've gotten our eyes off of off the off the ministry and it's not only it can be Pentecostals it can be you know fundamentalists of all kinds shapes and flavors we've got to stay focused on Christ one day one day I believe this you're going to get you and I are going to give an account for what we've done with what God's given the Bible tells us in second Corinthians 5. So whether we are here in the body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. 
For, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. You hear that? He's speaking to the church. He says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. You know, sometimes we, we, we take it a little too far and out of context when we say there's no fear element in our relationship with the Lord. There's no unhealthy destructive fear in our relationship with God. But there is a reverential awe. There is an awe, right? You know, whenever Ananias and Sapphira lied, they were struck dead, right? You know, that's New Testament, right? Is that New Testament? That's New Testament. Book of And I'm just saying, I'm not saying that God's going to do that. I'm just, what happened as a result, there was a tremendous sense of fear and awe. Because then they realize you can't mess with God. You can't lie to God. You can't take liberties with God and think he doesn't notice and doesn't care. You know, grace is never a license for sloppy living. Never. Anybody that tells you it doesn't matter, uh, you need to tell them what you're telling me doesn't matter because I'm not listening to this. Grace sets us free. It empowers us to live a Christ-like life. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we've already laid or already here, and that's Jesus Christ. Remember Paul said, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He wasn't changing his life statement because of what others were doing. He was, re, he was reiterating his life statement. And he says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Boy, that is a sobering thought right there. Because I think back in my lifetime over the years, you know, God, how much of what I did was truly Christ-focused and how much of it was done for me? How much was it done for the advancement of my ambition and how much of it was done? I don't, you know, that's a staggering thought for me that one day we stand before the Lord and he evaluates whether or not our works really mattered in a good way. But on that judgment day, fire will receive what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but somewhat like someone barely escaping through walls of flame. Boy, is that a, you know, and I, and I realize when you read this scripture, you, you set yourself up for all kind of exegetical theories and, and alternatives. But, you know, let's make it very clear. This is a judgment for believers. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church, right? We are saved by the blood of Christ. I don't live in fear of losing my salvation. I walk in fellowship with him. I abide in him and I have that joy in that life. 
But I also understand that I should never, I should always ask God to help me focus on Him in whatever I do because when I do it in Christ, it means something. When it's just to build a name for myself. When I, you know, I, we sat down one time and talked to this guy and he says, uh, he, had, he had interviewed at a church and he, uh, we're at a conference, so you hear all kinds of things at conferences. But he's sitting there and he's saying, you know, uh, he says, uh, they want me. I'm thinking, what do you mean they want you? He says, oh, they want me. They'll do whatever I want in order to get me there. I got to tell you, you, right, Robin? You were sitting there. So if I'm fibbing, you're fibbing. But the thing is, I want to tell you. And it was all about me. And I'm not saying that we don't all have that capacity. I was just sitting there saying, I was shocked. I, you know, we might think that, but we don't say it, maybe. Have you ever been in a wrong frame of mind? But he was verbalizing exactly what he thought. And it's, they need me more than I need them. And he said, I have a master's, and that really tickles their fancy because they really want me now. And I got to tell you, it was heartbreaking to hear that. It was heartbreaking to hear that. Because it doesn't matter if you have a master's degree if the master doesn't have your heart. And you know, today as we close, I just want to encourage you to be like Paul. He says, I, I'm confident that this is all going to work out, whether it's in life or death. He says, if I stay here, I'm going to continue to do the work of the Lord. If, I, if he takes me home, he says that, you know, really... That's a no-lose proposition, right? And he says, I don't know which will play out. He says, but I'm confident it's all going to work out. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would. And You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this little story here for a moment. If you just give me, give me a second, and I'll, I'll shut up here, I promise. But... Um, as you know, I've been, I've been doing some chaplaincy work, on uh, a little bit of chaplaincy work, and uh, ministering to people who are very different than me, very different. Great people of God, a lot of them. But, you know, uh, we're talking Methodists, Presbyterians, Church of Christ. And I'm thinking, God, how does a Pentecostal preacher work into this? And you know, the thing is, you, you, you do a Sunday service, Sunday afternoon service for, for people, and you know, you, you, you preach the word. You preach the word. I got to tell you this, and I'm just saying it, Robin knows, she's my, she, she can verify or call me out, whatever. These people are eating it up because it's gospel. I'm going to tell you, and I'm not saying that other churches don't preach, but I'm going to tell you, I've had more than one person say, we've never heard these things. And they've been in church a long, long time. We're talking about people that are 98. One man is 102, a World War II veteran. Says, never heard these things. And they say, keep going, keep bringing it. That's what we need. You know, this gospel does, this gospel's powerful. And I don't, and God has given me a release. I don't go in as much now looking and saying, well, you know, Terry's, a, he's one of those staunch Presbyterians. I don't know if I'm going to offend him today. 
And I don't know, we, we, we have Tracy here today. He's, uh, we all know he's a Unitarian. He's not. And I'd have to talk to you if you were. But uh, the thing is, God says, preach the word. Preach the word. Doesn't matter what others have done or what others do. You've got to preach the word. There's only one gospel and it's his. Lord, I pray over this church body, my family in Christ. We are together in the Lord. And Father, I thank you for every opportunity in life uh, that you use to show us to live as Christ, to live as Christ. Come on, church. Is that, your, is that where you're standing today, to live as Christ? You know, I'm going I'm to ask you if you just begin to make that declaration in this house because, you know, the world is, is, go, the world is in utter darkness and turmoil, and we are that light that has been set upon a hill. And we can't be moving our foundation away from Christ. We've got to be centered on Christ. For to me, to live is Christ. Can you say, to live is Christ? Go ahead, speak that out. Let it, let it come out of your mouth. Yeah, to live is Christ. And Paul realized that he probably would end up dying a martyr's death. And he said, for me to live, but to die and to die is gain. You know, that, that really is the fact. I mean, death is a gain for a believer. It's never a loss. It isn't a loss. It's a loss to us because we're not with those we love and care for and have shared life with. But it's, it's because we see through a glass dimly. But on the other side of that dim glass, there is a reality that is so far greater. Lord, to die is gain. Whatever part of my life has to die each day to serve you, Lord, I pray that whatever part of me needs to be put to death, Lord, that stands in the way and is a hindrance. Lord, let us not be critical of others, but let us be focused on the truth, on Christ. Lord, knowing that there is a day of accountability for all. But we speak that truth wherever we go and we don't waver, we don't vacillate, Lord God, but we stand firm in Christ. Lord, we take this moment and we pray over our children and our grandchildren. You know, if, you've, if, you've, uh, if you pray for them, this might be a good time to join with others. Uh, Lord, we pray for our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Lord, we pray that light will just be brilliant in their areas of influence. For those who are in school systems, Lord God, I pray that there will be strong, strong relational instruction in the home. Lord, that like Joshua, we'd say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I pray that moms and dads and and grandparents will be Holy Spirit filled and baptized to full measure and overflowing and will simply say that we declare our family to be God's possession. And from the foundation of Christ, this family will be constructed. It does not matter what the world says. It does not diminish our, our, our focus. It does not take us off our game because, Lord God, we are focused on Christ. To live as Christ, every part of our lives is, is centered in Christ. And we claim our children to be delivered out of darkness even while they may have to live in a world that, that simply, Lord God, is embracing depravity, 
We pray, Father, you will cover them with your precious blood. Do you believe in the power of the blood of Christ? Lord, we plead the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would seal them. Lord God, keep them. Lord, we pray that their minds will only receive truth. That every lie, every perversion, Lord God, everything that is ungodly, Lord God, that would be sown uh, as seed in their lives, Lord God, would be rejected. Rejected. Because of the Holy Spirit within them. There'd be no receptivity of it. There'd be nothing in it for them. They would want none of it. Lord, we pray for our children. Lord, we want young boys to grow up to be men of God. We pray for young girls that will grow up to be women of faith and women of God. We pray, Lord God, for the family. We pray for families. We praise you and we thank you that God created male and female. He created them in his own image. And Lord, you joined them together in relationship for the purpose of fellowship and, uh, and intimacy and for pro, uh, Lord, for procreating and building according to your design. We celebrate that today, Lord. Lord, we're not here to denounce everyone else. We're just here to celebrate the truth that God has created young men to be men of God and young ladies to be women of God and for families, Lord God to be founded upon your word. There is no other foundation. Holy Spirit, fall fresh in this place. Baptize us in a redemptive spirit of love, Lord God, that we're not weak and we're not vague. And Lord God, we're not, we're not just simply walking in, 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 in fear and tepid fear, but Lord God, that we're walking boldly with love and grace and mercy, that we show, Lord God, treat each person Lord God, righteously and rightly and treat no one ill with, Lord, contempt and hatred. But Lord, as you are a physician, we take you as our healer. And Lord, we pray the healer will be made known across this land. Lord, in every situation, in every circumstance, Lord, we pray, Lord God, for those who are heterosexual, homosexual, Lord God, those who, Lord God, uh, whatever they may be, we pray in the name of Jesus that everyone would know that God loves them, God cares for them, and he reveals to us the purpose for why we're here. The world will boast of why we are, that they know why we're here, but Lord God, you alone have the truth, and we look to you today. Lord, let us love people in a love that will take us the same direction that it took Christ to the cross. Lord, we're not beating people up. We're reaching out in, in truth and love and mercy. And Lord God, but we've made a declaration in our families that we are standing upon the word of God. No compromise there. One gospel, one Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask as we get ready to close here, can you just, can you just, uh, just begin to, to call out to the Lord to, to, to just to begin with a righteous uh, shout of, uh, of, of, of determination, begin to call out upon God to move in a mighty way in this church, in our lives. God, I thank you. I thank you. We, we're, we're at the gates of hell today, the gates of Hades, Lord. And we're asking, Lord, give us a Holy Spirit baptism. Lord God, we stand upon your word. 
Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the King of glory. Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through Him. Lord God, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Hallelujah. God gives beauty for ashes. Lord, He anoints us with the oil of joy for that spirit of heaviness and mourning and grief. Lord, let us be ambassadors of grace and mercy and truth. Lord God, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.